Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Turn your Bibles to Acts 1-8. Thank you, God. I like the red letters, Acts 1-8. But you shall receive power. Say power. Power. That's not powerful. But you shall receive. Come on. You shall receive. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Peter, who just chickened out in front of campfire girl, stands up and boldly preaches the gospel. Raising his voice, said to them, this powerful message, he boldly preaches the gospel. He says, you're the ones who crucified him, and 3,000 people get saved. Powerful. Pours out his spirit on them in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3, we talked about it. A miracle takes place. Peter lifts him up out of the wheelchair. They start trying to worship him. He boldly proclaims the gospel. More people get saved. The religious leaders come to him. They threaten him. Don't preach in this name anymore. When they saw the boldness that was on Peter and John, they knew that they had been with Jesus. Say boldness. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they knew they had been with Jesus. Even after that, they said, you tell us whether we should listen to you or whether we should listen to God. But we can't help to say what we've seen and what we've heard. It doesn't take an evangelist to testify to what they've seen and what they heard. It takes a willing believer. It takes an on-fire believer. It takes an obedient believer. John chapter 14, Jesus said, if you love me, then you'll obey my commandments. And the great commission is not the great suggestion. And it's not just for the evangelist, but it's for all believers. Amen. Come on, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart is the question. Evangelism isn't something we have to do. It's something we can't help but to do because we're on fire. Our hearts are burning. Amen. We can't help but to testify to what we've seen and what we've heard. After that, they are praying. What are they praying for? They're praying for more boldness. That God would stretch out his hands and do signs and wonders through the name of servant Jesus. And as they're praying, the place where they are is shaken. And let's pick up where it is. Now look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, this is Acts 4.29, they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Are you content with your last encounter or do you want to pray for another outpouring tonight? Anybody want more boldness? Are you content with the boldness that you're currently walking in? Listen, I understand. I've seen the testimonies coming from this house. There is already boldness in this house. You cannot have a leader like Catherine and not have boldness to preach the gospel. There's boldness in this house to preach the gospel. But let me tell you, there is more. 
There is more room for greater miracles, greater signs and wonders. There's more room for greater boldness. And I believe that God wants to shake the house again and fill you with the Holy Spirit tonight. But it will be a collective yes in your heart. It'll be a collective togetherness that together we say, God, we got to have more. God, we got to begin to see the children's hospital emptied out. It's not okay on my watch that another kid dies in Brisbane of cancer on my watch, not as a believer. Father, your word says that those signs will follow those who believe that we'll lay our hands on the sick and they shall recover. God, stir in my heart for the lost. It's not okay that another one of my neighbors goes to hell for all of eternity because they don't know the gospel because they've never heard the gospel. I will make sure everybody in my neighborhood hears the gospel, not because I'm an evangelist, because I am a simple believer. I believe in you, and I believe that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me, and he is the greatest evangelist. Listen, look at your neighbor and say, I'm not the greatest evangelist. Look at your neighbor and say, Billy Graham was not the greatest evangelist. Reinhard Bonnke is not the greatest evangelist. Todd White is not the greatest evangelist, but my best friend is. The Holy Ghost is the greatest evangelist in all of the earth. He's the greatest prophet. He's the greatest miracle worker. God spoke to me on my way to Australia five years ago on the airplane reading John 16. When Jesus was talking to the disciples and he said, I'm going away and you say, and you're sad because I say I'm going away, but I'm telling you, it is to your advantage that I go away. Say advantage, advantage. that I go away because if I go away, I'll send to you the helper, the Holy Spirit. He spoke to me. He said, you tell the church everywhere that you go, if they start taking advantage of their advantage, then we'll see Jesus get his full reward. <laughs> but how do you take advantage of your advantage? It's an incredible statement that Jesus makes there. If you think about it, I think sometimes I thought he's given him a hard time. How many people think it would be an advantage to have Jesus with you for three years? How many people think it would be an advantage to see a man walking on water to your face or water turned into wine or so many miracles that they can't even contain it in all the books of the Bible. How many, how, many, how many people think that would be an advantage to your faith to see leprosy just disappear, blind eyes open up, deaf ears open up? How many people think that would be an advantage to your faith? Listen, if you still don't believe that walking with Jesus would be an advantage to your faith, I want you to ask the sons of thunder when you get to heaven about a time they were passing through the, the town of Samaria and nobody was being hospitable. So they go to Jesus and they say, you want us to call down fire from heaven like Elijah did. Notice they didn't say, do you want to call down fire? They said, you want us to call down fire from heaven like Elijah did. Listen, they understood their authority. I don't think I know one Christian who actually thinks they can call down fire from heaven on a city and it actually happened. That's probably a good thing. Because we probably wouldn't have California. We probably wouldn't have Las Vegas or New York City. It'd be burned up by now. But luckily, they had Jesus Christ with them. He was their advantage. They understood their authority. They understood the Bible like Elijah did. Listen, there's precedence in the word. Elijah did it. They understood the Bible. They understood their authority. But good thing Jesus was with them. He says, not a good idea, boys. You don't know what spirit you're of. For the Son of Man did not come to kill men's lives. The Son of Man came to save men's lives. He was an advantage to their life, wasn't he? You know why he was an advantage to their life that day? Because they obeyed him. 
They didn't just say, whatever, Jesus, it's in the Bible. Fire! They think that's ridiculous. Like, what? What are they going to do? Ignore Jesus? But Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I do, I'll send to you the Holy Spirit. Another place, he says, you can blaspheme the Son of Man, but you can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. He puts such a standard on the Holy Spirit. People think it's ridiculous when I say that, that they would ignore Jesus. But we have an advantage, which is the Holy Spirit. The question is, how often have you ignored the Holy Spirit? See, the way that you take advantage of your advantage is that you love your advantage. You love the Holy Spirit. You develop an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know his voice. You trust him. You believe in him. You have faith in him. And when he tells you to do something, you're quick to obey. Slow obedience is disobedience. The first miracle that Jesus did is he turned water into wine. But how did he do it? I want to submit to you, he didn't do it alone. Mary comes up to him because the boys came to the party and the wine ran out. I wonder why. Fishermen showing up to a, a wedding. All of a sudden, the wine ran out. Mary comes up to him. Apparently, she thinks it's his problem. She says, hey, Jesus, the wine ran out. He said, woman, what's that have to do with me? I don't call my mom a woman, but he's Jesus. He could do what he wants. Woman, what's that have to do with me? She ignores him like women do sometimes. She looks at the servants. She says this statement, do whatever he says. Say that with me. Do whatever he says. This is the key to the miraculous. They do what he says, and the waters turn to wine. This is how we partner with God in releasing the miraculous. You know the voice of God, and you do what he says. The power's in his voice. The power's in his word. Come on. The power is in your obedience to the word because you love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. And we love him because he first loved us. You can't grit your teeth to love God more. You receive his love. See, an evangelism problem is a receiving problem. If evangelism is in a natural overflow of your life, you have a receiving problem. Because if you know how to receive the love of God, then you will love God back and you'll be obedient to his great commission. Come on. Father, open up our hearts. Open up our eyes. Open up our ears. You love us. God, reveal the mystery of the cross to us. Show us Jesus tonight. We want to see your face tonight, Jesus. We exalt you in this house. We praise your name in this house, God. We want you to be exalted in Australia. Not just, not just, just this teaching, clever teachings, and, and, and whatever that their faith would be in the wisdom of man, but it would be in the power of God because we know you, God. We want to know you. We want to know you in the power of your resurrection. We want to know you, Jesus. <laughs> I was on an airplane on my way to Azusa now. Anybody here of the Azusa Now gathering? Anybody ever study a revival history? Anybody know about the Azusa Street revival that happened in the early 1900s through a one-eyed black man who refused to be offended? He could have been offended at God. He lost his eye to polio, but he didn't. Pressed in. 
heard about a teaching in the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit, evidence, speaking in tongues and prophecy in Houston, goes to the school of ministry. There's segregation there. Shows up. They don't let him in the building. Could have got offended and left. Right? He had the right to be offended, right? Wrong. Love's unoffendable. He realized that God uses crack pots. You know that Charles Parham it was a registered KKK member who was teaching in the school of ministry. Could have got offended, but you know what he did? He listened through the window. Got a revelation through crack pots because God loves to use crack pots. Just because he could have said, man, these races couldn't be good teaching, couldn't be real, couldn't be real. How, how could he use racists? Obviously, they don't know. No, he gets the, the revelation of the truth of the word of God and he takes it to California. The door shuts in California. They don't let him preach. He could have got offended, but he didn't. See, I'm telling you, those who are going to be entrusted with revival are those who are undefendable. Who've passed the test of being offended. Love is undefendable. People are only walking in the light that they have. They don't know what they don't know. William J. Seymour preached in a house church and the power of God falls into house church and spills over into Azusa Street, which becomes one of the greatest revivals the world's ever seen. One billion people can draw their spiritual heritage back to that revival. We were going there to, to celebrate the 110 year anniversary of it because Smith Wigglesworth prophesied that in 110 years, there'll be another beginning of a harvest. So I'm flying in last minute to celebrate that in an airplane. And I hear the Lord say, stand up on the airplane and read Matthew five out loud on the airplane. <laughs> Slow obedience is disobedience. I stand up and I do. That's not my top scripture that I would use to do an open air preaching. <laughs> you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither did they light a lamp and place it under a basket, but on a lampstand that it would give light to all who are in the house. That's what it says. I know what it says. I've read it. I memorized Matthew chapter one through seven, word for word, genealogy and all. I was a Baptist boy, man. I loved that scriptures. I know what it says. But when I, when I quoted it that day, as I was reading it, it came out, neither did they light a lamp and place it under a basket of fear. It doesn't say fear. But it came out fear and immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said the main basket that the church puts their light under is a basket of fear. He said, I want you to tell the church everywhere you go that there's a cost to putting your light under a basket of fear. People's lives are at stake. And he reminded me of a story that happened six years prior. I forgot about it. Don't ask me how I forgot about this story. I just did. I don't know how I did. But he reminded me of it in that moment. It was when I was uh, in a cafe drinking liquid heaven in a cup. I stepped out of the cafe and I see a couple screaming and yelling. I'm with my buddy. My buddy, he's cleaning houses for a living. I'm working at Home Depot mixing paint. It's my job, my occupation. I'm just a saint sitting in, in, the, in the pews, but I understand that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me. And there's a solution to every problem in the world. I might not know what it is, but my best friend does. The Holy Spirit is a great solutionary. So I see this couple screaming and yelling at each other in the car, spits flying, neck veins bulging out. It's a bad argument. Common sense says, leave them alone. They need some privacy. But I see the problem and I realize that I'm the solution to the problem. I not know what it is, but he does. So I boldly say boldly, boldly. just walk up. I don't have boldness in my confidence in myself. I just realized that if I'm going to see the miraculous, here's another key to walking in the supernatural. 
on a lifestyle, you got to put yourself in positions to where if God doesn't show up, it ain't going to turn out very good. Go to the edge of your abilities where his abilities have to take over. So I'm walking up to the window. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't feel the Holy Spirit. I, I don't like in the sense of I don't feel tingling. I don't feel fire. I don't hear an audible voice. I just see a problem. I walk up to the window, I knock on the window, and as I knock on the window, I recognize this dude has muscles upon muscles, he's a skinhead, he has all kinds of tattoos, and he's angry. And now he's, he was angry at her, now he's angry at me. What? My heart. I feel fear. Listen, courage isn't the absence of the feeling of fear. Courage is not letting fear tell you what to do. Because fear is a spirit. Romans 8. You have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've been given the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Daddy! Timothy, you've not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Both places, it describes fear as a spirit that you've not been given. Fear is a spirit. Fear is an invitation. Not something to run from. Chris Valentin says it this way, the dogs of doom bark the loudest at the door of your destiny. Oftentimes when you feel fear, it's the enemy tipping his hand. Come on, we run through fear, not from it. I feel fear. I don't know what I'm gonna say. I'm stalling. I haven't thought that far yet. Roll down the window. I got emergency tongues going on on the inside. God, 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 you gotta tell me something. You gotta tell me something. If you don't tell me something, I'm gonna make it up. Sometimes you think you're making it up, but you're not making it up because you've been given the mind of Christ. And if you're loving, sometimes you're getting words of knowledge. You don't even realize you're getting it. And if you get it wrong, big deal. You know how many people have been saved through wrong words of knowledge that I've gotten? Hey, you got a problem with your ankle? No, I don't got a problem with my ankle. How come? Yes, oh, don't worry about it. You got a problem with your shoulder? No, I don't got a problem with my shoulder. How come? Oh, don't worry about it. How about your, how about your back? No, I don't got a problem with my back, man. How come you're asking that? Oh, I don't know, man. I'm a, I'm a new believer, man. I'm just learning how to hear God's voice, bro. Sometimes I get it right and God heals people. Oh, that's cool. Can, can you heal my neck? Can you pray for my neck? I pray for their neck. Their neck gets healed and they get born again, all through wrong words of knowledge. <laughs> Anybody willing to get it wrong and look like a fool so you can talk about Jesus? Sometimes I get it wrong. They don't get healed. And I say, hey, have you ever heard what it means to be born again? <laughs> I share the gospel and they get born again all through the wrong word of knowledge. I mean, I'm just saying sometimes we got to get over ourselves. It ain't about getting it right all the time. It ain't about them getting healed all the time. Sometimes it's just about your obedience. And in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. You might think you're weak in evangelism, but that it qualifies you. You're qualified. It's not those who are strong that are qualified. It's those who are weak. And in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. Come on. I don't know what I'm going to say. God, 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 tell me something. I just hear this slight little phrase. Ask him about his daughter. Sometimes we think we're going to get this long, drawn-out thing. We're going to hear an audible voice. Sometimes it's just a slight little thought in your heart. Oftentimes, it's like a word or a phrase. And if you're faithful with that word or phrase, he'll give you the more. Amen. I don't mean to be disrespectful, I said, but I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I felt to come knock on your window and to ask you about your daughter and to tell you that you're important to her life. Wow. Simple word. He starts weeping and crying uncontrollably. His wife starts weeping and crying uncontrollably. And on the inside, I said, yes. 
They're weeping. They can't quit crying. What's going on? They can't quit. What's going on? Eventually, he says, we were on our way to commit couple suicide today. And we were arguing about what we were going to do with our daughter after we were gone. I shared my testimony in the gospel and they got born again. They got born again. That story would be great if it ended there, but it doesn't end there. Courage inspires courage. Your breakthrough would be somebody else's breakthrough. My friend Tom sees this happen. He turns around and looks for the first moving target in the parking lot. (laughs) Sees a guy chain smoking a cigarette walking across the parking lot with a yellow Walkman and old school yellow Walkman. He says, hey, the guy just either ignores him and doesn't hear him. So he chases him across the parking lot, taps him on the shoulder. The guy's like, what? What do you want? My friend Tom, he ain't thought that for. I don't know what he's going to say. <laughs> Here's another key to walking in the supernatural and the miraculous. When you don't know what to say, just tell a testimony. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When you testify, you create an atmosphere for the prophetic for him to do it again. Say, I've been given enough. And there's more. Don't you love the kingdom? You have a testimony. Not just your salvation testimony, but every miracle that you've seen is your testimony. It's a family testimony. If you don't have any personal healing testimonies, just jump online and watch some Bethel testimonies or Global Awakening testimonies or Todd White videos and watch his testimonies. And then when you go up to somebody, say, I see miracles all the time. Because you do. And testify. I'm telling you, that that testimony carries power. And you'll get your own testimony. My friend Tom has no idea what he's going to tell this guy. So he says, you'll never believe what just happened over there. And he tells this guy what just happened in the car. That guy starts weeping and crying. He said, I was on my way to hang myself today. So you can't make this stuff up. Listen, I don't pretend to understand everything, but I know something's not right when three people in one parking lot want to commit suicide in a 20 minute period of time. Only problem with the enemy's plan is that God has two sons drinking coffee, not on outreach, but understand that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of them. (laughs) I believe God has them do something really powerful tonight. You know what the context of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire is? It's repentance. John came baptizing with water unto repentance. And they asked him, is he the one? Is he the Messiah? He said, I'm not, I'm not him. I'm not even worthy to unstrap his sandal. But when he comes, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Say with fire. fire. The context of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire is repentance. Hebrews talking about Deuteronomy says, our God is an all-consuming fire. Next verse, he's a jealous God. Context, they were worshiping idols. God is love. Love is jealous. Why? Love always has the highest and best for what it's pointed at. Anything less than God for your life is an idol. Anything less than God, he's jealous of because he's the highest and best for you. And it's not the highest and best for you. Love always has the highest and best for what it's pointed at. He's the highest and best for us. He's jealous for us to have the abundant life. And only the abundant life. 
He's not some cosmic buzzkill trying to steal our joy away. He's a loving father who wants us to have abundant life in him, in Christ. I believe that in this hour, just like Billy Graham, God is going to put his finger on compromise within the church. Because compromise is stealing the confidence of his, of his body. Evangelism isn't just an outreach. Evangelism is a lifestyle. God is putting his finger on the fear of man because the fear of man is evidence that we love ourselves more than we love God. Don't fear God. Don't fear man. Fear God. Love God with all of your heart. See the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Say all. That word all takes away permission to be apathetic. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like God wants to drop his fire on us tonight. Holy Spirit, come do what only you can do. Touch our hearts tonight. Touch our hearts tonight. Touch our hearts tonight. See, we love him because he first loved us, but what is love? We love him because he first loved us, but what is love? See, our ability to repent is, our, is, is determined by our ability to see the kindness and the goodness of God. God calls us to see your love tonight. Calls us to perceive your love tonight. Calls us to understand the cross tonight. What is love? I love pizza. I love Australian football. I love my wife, you know. But there's a big difference between I love pizza and I love my wife. One I'm willing to die for. Had a young man named Richard I was discipling. Came from a rough background. Drugs in his family. His brothers were in gangs. Mom was addicted to heroin. Gets a PlayStation for Christmas. It was his escape. Comes home from school one day. His PlayStation's gone. No food in the house. Looking, 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 looking all over the house for his PlayStation. Can't find it. Walks in the back room. Mom's overdosing on drugs. She had pawned his PlayStation for her fix, and she's overdosing. He starts weeping. He calls his brothers, who's in the gang first. Then he calls the paramedics. Then he goes into the corner in the fetal position, starts weeping and crying. His brothers beat the paramedics to the scene. They can't get him off the ground because he's weeping so, so hard. And so they beat him. Man up, get up. This is life. He decides that day I'll never cry again. Fast forward two years, I'm, I'm discipling him in YWAM. Holy Spirit starts moving. Some people shaking, rattling, rolling, falling down. Some people laughing. Holy Spirit stuff happening. And here he is in the corner going, Ugh! I thought that's a weird manifestation. I mean, I've been to Bethel and stuff. That looks like he's constipated. And that's really weird. <laughs> doing this all the time. Two days go by. I say, hey, man, how come you're doing that, man? Every time the Holy Spirit comes, that's your manifestation. He said, no, that's how I stop my tears. And he told me the story I just told you. I said, come with me, Richard. Took him in the bathroom, told him, look at himself in the mirror, read him the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Paul, with many tears, wept. Began to talk to him about the different people in the Bible. And I told him what I'm going to tell you right now. I learned it from Graham Cook. He loves you because he loves you. 
Because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. Just because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. Just because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. Just because he loves you, 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 because he loves you. Just because he loves you, he's all always loved you. He's always going to love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. He goes from the guy who never cries to the guy who always cries. Anybody know that person? You just say the name of Jesus. <laughs> I love those people. They're the best, man. I mean, that guy, man, he was on fire. He was leading people to Jesus left and right. I mean, he was on fire till about two weeks from the end of the school. He just, he just, Anything he could do to get in trouble, he started doing it, man. I mean, he was doing the most crazy stuff. One thing after the other, after the other, after the other. And he was taking the whole school down with him because he's a leader. Leaders are going to lead one way or the other, either in the dark or in the light. But they're going to lead one way or the other. And they're going to give an account to God when they stand before him at Judgment Day for what they did with the leadership that he placed on their life. And he's leading everybody down with him. And eventually, I, I gave him so many chances, I just... I didn't know what to do, so I went to the other leader. And I said, I'm going to have to send him home for the good of the other students. My heart was broken because he was my, my best student. He was my favorite one, to be honest. But for the sake of everybody else, I'm going to send him home. And she had the father heart of God. I'm so glad for her. She said, no, Richie, one more chance. Hey, we give up on people too easy. Love never fails. How many times do we forgive them, they said? Jesus, seven times 70. In other words, until it's complete. We give up on people too easy. She said, one more chance. I said, okay, one more chance. <laughs> I go down to him where he's at, and I say, hey, man, Reggie, why are you doing this, man? I love you. He explodes at me. I don't even know what love is. You say you love me. You say God loves me. You say love, love, love. I don't even know what love is. I'm so glad for my advantage because I explode right back in his face. And I say, Richard, there's a gun right here. One of your gangbanger brother's friends is right here. You got to take the bullet or I got to take the bullet. You get the chance. One of us is going to die. Who's taking the bullet, Richard? He starts looking away. I said, no, look at me in the eyes. Who's taking the bullet? He begins to weep. He said, Richie, I take that bullet for you. I said, don't you dare tell me you don't know what love is. You just love me. See, love looks like something. It looks like the son of man. It looks like the ancient of days becoming a baby boy, nursing on his own mother's breast, humbling himself to the point that where he's made a little lower than the angels, taking on flesh and blood, being tempted in every way as we're tempted, yet without sin. Love looks like him being beaten to a pulp, being beaten, being wounded beyond recognition. The Bible says that you wouldn't even recognize him. He was beaten so badly, spit on, mocked. He's bleeding. He's dying. A crown of thorns has been banged in his head. He says, no man takes my life from me. I give it up freely. I could get 10,000 angels to come to my defense if I wanted to. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. This is what love looks like. God himself dying, bleeding, naked on a cross, bearing our shame. And as they're gambling at the foot of the cross, rolling dice for his clothes, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing.
See, the Spirit of God was inside of Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Do we understand what spirit we're of and what our mission is? It's the ministry of reconciliation. It's this love that is a Christ love, a laid down love. No greater love than this than a man laid down his life for his friends. This is the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And if he's the way and he's the truth and he's the life, how much more shall we lay our life down for the sake of the gospel? Listen, if we're afraid of preaching the gospel, if we're afraid of praying, it's because we're not dead yet. But he said, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose your life. But if you lose your life for my sake, then you'll find your life. Take up your cross daily. I'm just saying God wants us every day to live in the love of God so that we can lay our life down. Not just one time, but over and over and over. God, we need to receive your love tonight. Baptize us in your fiery love, God. Show us the revelation of the cross, God. Open up our eyes, Father. Cause us to repent of selfishness that's in our heart, God. Self-seeking. Anything that we need to repent of. If we've lost our first love, if our testimonies of time past are better than our present ones, God, cause us to repent, God. Let us have a fiery love in our heart, God, a fresh fire. Father, I'm praying that out of glory city, God, that you would raise up such a powerful company, a church that is on fire, a church that's going door to door, house to house, two by two, every house in Brisbane, hearing the gospel because we have a plan. We're going door to door, Luke chapter 10, and we're going to see Satan cast down from heaven heaven like lightning as we go out and preach the gospel. Demons will be subject because we're preaching the gospel. Father calls us to understand the power of the gospel. I shall not be ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe first for the Jew then for the Gentile. God calls us to understand the power in the proclamation of the gospel God. Calls us not to just wait for the other evangelists to do the testimony God but calls us to understand we're going to give an account for our neighbors one day when we stand before you whether we share the gospel. Those who are in the grocery stores, God, I'm asking for your passion that led you to the cross. God, baptize us in your fire tonight. Just go ahead and stand at your feet if you're able. I want you to just begin to pray right now. Just begin to pray. Begin to, if you want to come to the altar, you can come to the altar. If you want to get on your knees where you are, you can get on your knees. I just want to encourage you to obey what you feel like the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. I believe that God told me one time, he says, fire always falls on the acceptable sacrifice. But the only acceptable sacrifice is a life that's laid down in love. He's not a lip reader. He's a heart reader. He's looking at your heart tonight. He's looking at your heart tonight. If you can get that video ready, that Take Courage video, that would be great. First, I just want to give you some time just to do business with the Holy Spirit. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Boldness is not a personality type. Boldness is a yes in your heart. Boldness is the no is taken out. There is no no left in us, God. We only say yes. We only say yes, God. We only say yes, God. Father, I'm asking, God, come, Holy Spirit. Just begin to pray. Just begin to lift up your voice. Come, Holy Spirit. 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 More. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website 
www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.